0: Hey, good morning to those in the room and to those online. Uh, those online get the added benefit of uh, a good man, Alan Phillips, who, are, who is there with you to help you on Facebook. So we're glad you're here today. Uh, a few years ago, I, I saw something on TV. It was probably maybe 25 years ago. It was so impactful that I, I haven't forgotten it. It was about a, it was a news magazine show and it, they were documenting this young family's life. They were young they had two children and and they were just uh, going everywhere. And the film crew stayed with them for about a week and documented all of it. And uh, they had two different jobs. They were barely seeing each other and all this. So finally, after capturing all that footage, an interviewer sat down with them, the young couple, and said, let's let's look at a few minutes of this. And so the couple watched their lives and and they just had this blank look on their face as they watch their life unfold. And finally, interviewer turned it off and, and, and looked to the couple and said, um, why, why are, you, are you living like this? And, and the couple looked at each other, I think looking for an answer uh, from each other. And finally, the, the young dad said, I don't know. I don't know. It's really sad. And I think, I think a lot of us get caught up in, in living a, a life where we don't really understand what we're, we're doing. And it's so easy to get caught up in a, a, a cultural rat race that just moves along at a frantic pace to an unknown place. We don't know where we're going or, or really what we're trying to achieve. So if I sat down with you today and, and said, hey, what do you really want? And you might say, I'd like a large Frosty or maybe a Nap or a Colts to win or IU would have won, that'd been nice. But and I said, no, no, really, what do you really want in life? What are you, what are you trying to, to achieve or accomplish? And what would you say? My answer came to me years ago through a process of, of evolution, I guess. and So I'm gonna tell you what my answer is and I think it's yours too because I think it's, I think it's the way we're wired. I think it's, it's the way we're made. The answer that I would give uh, to that question is I want and need more than anything peace, peace and i'm talking about the biblical concept of peace and that is peace with god and then peace with others and it comes right out of the new testament it's deeply rooted in the old testament concept of shalom which is translated peace but it's a lot deeper it's a deeper concept which is actually rooted in in the very nature of god and shalom is this peaceful harmony, where everything that we are and everything that we do is connected and and is consistent on the inside, the outside, and when we align our lives with God, then there's this greater sense of completeness, a greater sense of wholeness that leads to uh, confidence and security. Shalom, another word I think would be, be related is integrity where we're the same, we're not divided, we're not compartmentalized, we're the same at work as we are at home, at at church, we're all, you know, we're just basically the same person. We don't like divide our lives into different categories. And so the etymology of Shalom peace is is interesting to me. It, It is the concept of joining things together, binding them together, weaving things together. So just as God is this harmonious three beings in one, then he wants to take our lives and all the different aspects of our lives and make them whole. He wants to take our physical, our mental, our emotional, our sexual, everything. He wants to join and bind and weave those things together so that we are people of integrity, so that we are complete and there's consistency and there's continuity in in our lives. We can be whole, W-H-O-L-E, we can be whole. Now, today we begin a, a new sermon series called Holiness. And it's a play on words, and I like it. I think Sean is brilliant, and he came up with this. It's great. It's wordplay. play. It, the tagline is finding wholeness through the pursuit of holiness. So what happens when you hear the word Holy. You know, we have this wonderful teaching team that meets up in room 204 every other week or so on Wednesday afternoon for an hour and a half. And, and so we, we sit together and we pray and, and we talk about the, the, the sermons and the series. And, and it's a very interesting time of, of creativity and collaboration. It's, it's really one of my favorite things. And so we sit there and we talk about these things. And so when we came up with the idea, okay, this is going to be the series on holiness, and we're going to talk about holy immediately. There were red flags. Oh, wait a minute. Well, we got to be careful with this, this one. And, and Brad said, Brad Pontius said, you know, I, I travel around the world and what I see is that Christians have a, a hard time with guilt. And, it, and a lot of it's rooted in a false concept of holiness. And so we need to be careful and and we do need to be careful. And we had this great conversation about this but we said you know we cannot shy away from what god says because he says all the time it seems be holy as i am holy and and we hear that and it's like i don't know i i i don't I don't live up to that. And then, then you have the the concept of people who are holier than thou and it's so off-putting. And so we kinda of put that word, it's like, I don't know if I like that word that much. But we need we need to understand it. And so we need to look at it. So we're gonna think through holiness with an open heart, an open mind, and and it's important to do so because it's the key to us being whole, to being what we want to be, people of peace, shalom, integrity. It's what we really want in life. Understanding this concept really will save us a lot of trouble it'll help us in a lot of ways because we spend a lot of time in, in pursuing things that we think will make us whole. And it's usually something more. We want more. We want more money. We want more pleasure. We want more power. If we just had this, if we had more of this or more of that, then we would be whole. And then we go off on all these self-help projects. Oh, if I could just do this and accomplish this, then I'll feel complete and whole. I'm going to tell you, I don't think so. I think it'll leave you feeling empty. Yeah, there's Good things you can do, but at the end, it's not going to satisfy you. And we hear echoes of Ecclesiastes, Solomon or a Solomon-like character who pursues all the things that we're tempted to pursue. And at, at every juncture, he says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And he says that until he gets to the very end. And, and then he says, you know what? Uh, the whole thing about life is, is just fearing God and keeping his commandments. And so he submits finally and finds wholeness and holiness in a relationship with God. So if holiness is the key to wholeness, we need to understand what it is. And the primary meaning of holiness means to separate or separate, to be separate. And and the idea is from an ancient word where you cut something. So you take something, you cut it, and then you put it apart. You separate it. And so some theologians say, well, so when it comes to God, we're saying that he is a cut above everything else. He is separate. He is sinless. And so you have Exodus 15, 11, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? So God, his transcendence means he's completely other. He is so, so different. He's so separate. He's so distinctly different from anything that we know or experience. And there's a lot of mystery in that. And it it can be terrifying. It can be absolutely terrifying. And reverential fear is is a good response to God. It's a good place to start. And you you look at people who encounter God in Scripture, and I think it's every single person who encounters God, their first response is, fear or terror, terrified. And think about Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six. I, lo- I just love that story. Isaiah you know, is concerned about what's going on in the culture, shift in power. And, and so somehow, some way he's transported into the very holy of holies in the temple. And there he has this vision and he sees the throne of God. It's so high and lofty and mighty. And he sees the, the robe of God fills the room and he, and he sees smoke. And then as he looks, he sees these seraphim or these super angels, and they, they have three pairs of wings, six wings. And, and, and as he observes them, they have one set of wings that's just used to, to fly and, and to hover around. But because God is so holy, they take one set of wings to cover their feet and another set to cover their eyes because they can't look at the holiness of God and, and they, they cry out in a thunderous voice, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory and their voices shake the temple to its foundations like an earthquake. And Isaiah's wide eye, mouth open, sees all this and he knows he's gonna die. He knows... He can't stand in the presence of a holy God. He sees God's wrath. He sees this all-consuming fire, this destructive force. And, th- and that wrath of God is the holy manifestation towards something that's not holy. And Isaiah knows that's him. But God in his mercy and his loving kindness takes care of Isaiah and cleanses him so that Isaiah can stand in God's holy presence. Well, that's, that's a quick picture of God's holiness, it's just kind of fascinating to me that God then turns around and and says stuff like this, commands us to be holy. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart, there's that word, from all other people to be my very own. So, So God calls out that the church is... Ecclesia, right, called out. So God calls us out of the culture, calls us out of the world to separate us, to set us apart, to be his holy people. What an honor that is. We are to be distinctly different from a, a sinful world. The problem is that we have trouble with that. The problem is that I still want to sin. I still do that. And so this is where... God's loving nature provides us the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of our sins that allows us to be holy in his sight when he looks at me he sees me as a saint he sees me as holy and that's you know that's what the Old Testament sacrificial system was all about. that that you would offer things and the blood would somehow impute a holiness to you so that you could stand in the presence of God. And, And of course, that ultimate expression and fulfillment is in Jesus. His blood is what allows us to be holy. Now, what does all this mean for you and me this afternoon and in the morning and this week? Well, let's go back to the idea of our wholeness or holiness experiencing the shalom and the peace of God through holy living. Our text that we chose was, is Ephesians 4, verse 17, all the way down through chapter 5 too. It's, it's rather long, so we're not going to read all of it, but I want to give enough to you get the idea. So it starts in 17, chapter 4 of Ephesians. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, And the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Listen to this. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Wow. And then he goes on to describe what that looks like in real life. And you know what it's primarily about? It's primarily about relationships and how we treat each other and how we treat other people. It's it's really bound up in that. It's, It's bound up more about being rather than doing. And so he ends the section in chapter five, verses one and two, where he says, again, follow God's example, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So in the weeks that follow, Sean and others, I think, are going to unpack all this and give us the details of what it means to, to live a holy life, what it looks like. The the thing that we want to establish this morning is how can we be holy? How are we holy in the sight of God? If you're not holy, you have no hope. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 12, the preacher, I think. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. There's that relationship thing. And and to be holy. Holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's like, yeah, that doesn't sound very hopeful to me because I know how I am and I'm not all that holy all the time. And we may feel hopeless and we may feel like, that's just not much hope for me. But you got to remember what the Hebrew preacher said earlier, and I think this is Sean's favorite verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, very significant. He says, for by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Well, do you know what this means? He's saying by the death of Jesus, by the shedding of his precious and perfect blood, we can be viewed by God as perfect, as blameless, as holy, in his sight. When we're baptized into Christ, we are clothed with Christ. we, We become children of God through faith. And then when we're baptized into Christ, we clothe ourselves with Christ. And when we clothe ourselves with Christ, when the heavenly father looks down at you and you and you and me, he sees his son. He sees perfection. He sees holiness. He sees us as blameless in his sight. So we're given God's grace, we're given by God's grace what we need to relate to God, which is holiness. He, he clothes us in Christ. Uh, there's an illustration from a simpler time where uh, two ewes, two sheep, give birth on the same afternoon and, and sadly, one you uh, gives birth to a lamb that dies. And then the other you dies in the process of giving birth. So we have uh, a mom and we have a, a baby and we think, well, let's just put them together. Well, you know, that doesn't work with animals. The, the mom will reject the baby because it's not it smell right or whatever. So the shepherd would take the lamb who had died and take its skin off and then drape the skin over the orphan lamb and then present it to the mother. And she would then accept it. Allow it to nurse and to live. And that's kind of an imperfect picture. Of what Christ does for us. When we're, we're covered in his blood. We're clothed with Christ. We have his holiness. We are accepted, accepted by God. We avoid the wrath of God. Which is interesting. We're saved from God's wrath by Jesus. According to Romans 5.9. Now before Paul tells everybody in Ephesians 4 how they should live. He reminds us of uh, some things along these lines. In Ephesians chapter 1, he tells us as he praises God that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Through the blood of Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. We have all these things, including that we are holy in the sight of God blameless and holy. Then in Ephesians two, he says, now I got to remind you that at one point you by nature were objects of God's wrath because you weren't following Christ. You were following the ways of the world and it sets you up to be objects of God's wrath. But, and that's where you get this beautiful passage about grace, but God and his loving mercy, his kindness, his grace, he saved you. You're saved by grace, not by your performance, not by your works. You're saved by grace so that you can be holy." and blameless in the sight of God. And then he says, you know what? There is a, an appropriate response to that. You're created in Christ to do good works. You are his workmanship. Now go out and respond. Go out and live. Go out and live in response to that. And so we do, we, we are compelled to live by that love. So he says, be holy. And i say, okay, I'll try. I'll, I'll do my best to be, to be holy And you know what? That's the path to the shalom, the peace of God. Listen, we're not talking about perfection. This is where we get tripped up. We're not talking about perfection. It's not possible to live a sinless life. We can't do it in this life. It's not possible, not possible to be sinless, but it is possible to sin less. And that's what we're talking about. God loves us As we are, where we are, but he loves us way too much to leave us that way. He wants us to to live up to how he sees us. So he sees us as holy, perfect, and blameless because he sees his son. He says, here, I want you... I want you to live up to who you are. I want you to become who you are. And I will give you my spirit. I'll give you the Holy Spirit to help you in your holiness as you grow. And it's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. You're going to say things. I can't believe I said that. You're going to do things. I can't believe I did that. It's OK. I'm going to give you my grace and mercy as you're working through this stuff. I'm going to give it to you. you're going to be OK. I just want you to live up to who you are. I want you to become who you are. I want you to allow me to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you. I want you to allow me, through my spirit, to produce the characteristics of Christ. This is spiritual formation. Second Corinthians 3:18. You'll be transformed into the image of Jesus. You know that uh, young family we talked about at the beginning. What they desperately needed to hear was about wholeness through holiness, through a relationship with the holy God. Perhaps you need to hear that too. Um, I do. And I need to get out of the rat race with its frantic pace. We need to leave behind all the self-help saviors and submit to the holy one who can save our souls and make us whole. We need to find rest for our weary souls and become whole. Stop focusing on all the doing and allow God to form you into a human being. A human being that loves and then, and then does. The other day in room 204, we had this long, longer than usual discussion about holiness. And it was rich and it was rewarding, but it wasn't very clarifying for those who knew that they were going to have to preach. It's like, what am I going to do with all that? <laughs> I end up leaving three, two thirds, or three fourths of stuff somewhere else. So if you didn't, you thought I should say something. Well, it, it believe me, it wanted to be said, but I just didn't have time. But finally, uh, we, we we said, you know what? We've got to be careful. It's not about guilt when we fail. It's not about shame. It's about grace in Jesus' name. It's about holiness rooted in grace that paves a path of peace. It's about shalom, integrity. It's about holiness. It's about wholeness. It's about relationships solid and secure with God and others. Finally, as we wandered around for a long time and and Sean does a great job of of leading us in those discussions. Finally, Matt Limbrick says, okay, okay, what what one thing uh, what one thing are we asking people to do at the end of this? There should just be one thing. And then we said, well, who are we talking to? Are we talking to mature followers of Christ? Are we talking to people who just happened to to, to find us on Facebook on that morning? Who are we talking to? And, and as I thought about it after we left, I thought, you know, we're talking to everybody. Because it doesn't matter where you are on the journey. This This message is for you. And then as I thought, well, what... What about the one thing then? Is, is it different from someone who's 80 and has followed Christ all their life? Is it different for him or her as it is for an 18-year-old who's just seeking Christ? I don't think so. The answer came to me through an old hymn, Take Time to Be Holy, and it, it's the idea of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life to make you holy. It's about time and space, giving God those to, to form you. And so these words uh, will help us finish this. Just soak them in. Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing, his blessing to seek. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be, thy friends and thy conduct, his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy, let him be thy guide and run not before him, whatever be tied, in joy or in sorrow, still follow the Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive beneath his control, thus led by his spirit, to fountains of love, thou sh- soon shall be fitted for services above. So just take the time. Give God time to change you. Let, let me pray for all of us using the words of 1 Thessalonians 5.23 uh, is translated by Richard Rohr. May the God of peace make you whole and holy. May you be kept safe in body, heart and mind and thus ready for the presence. God has called you and will not fail you. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past 6 years at socc.org/messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.